Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm. Good morning, Andrew. Hello there, sir. I am super excited to continue in Matthew, especially since today I think it'd be good for us to go ahead and move into the last half of the chapter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've been spending the first time talking about the uh, visit of the wise men, but now we're going to be talking about the aftermath as Matthew tells the rest of the story. So what I have here is the New King James Version of Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to pick up reading in verse 13. Now when they had departed, that is the wise men we've been reading about, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. This is a shocking story to me. <sighs> it's brutal. Well, it's brutal. The, the, the death of the children, Herod, what he does, that is shocking, yes, and that is brutal. But what I'm actually talking about is it, it shocks me that when the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says, hey, they're looking for your child, get out of Dodge, the instruction is go to Egypt. Real quick, and that is, uh, but it, it, just reading through the chapter here, the, we know this story so well, we know what Herod's all about. But actually, the first time it's revealed Herod's intent is in the dream there, verse 13. Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. I, I don't know that we're told earlier. It's just as the wise men were, were warned, don't go. Right. And we're like, huh, huh. And Joseph's told right out what's going to happen, and then lo and behold, it does. Mm. I, you know, it's just one of those things. I, I know it so well, but the first time reading it, let it hit you, you know. Sure, sure. <laughs> Shock, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you. I, for, for my whole life, I have read that, and that didn't seem shocking at all. Oh, yes, go to Egypt, go to Egypt. However, as I've studied the Old Testament more, I come back and I read this again, and I realize, wait, that's, that's completely shocking. Yeah. Because other than what happened with Joseph, 
Mm-hmm. The, not not Jesus' father, Joseph. Joseph, the son of Jacob. That's a good distinction to make. Other than other than what happened with Joseph, the son of Jacob, and the twelve sons of Jacob yeah. going down into Egypt to escape the famine, right. so that from God that, could work through that to save them. That was a deliverance picture there. And God then delivers them from Egypt, right, through Moses by His mighty hand with mm-hmm. the ten plagues and walking through the Red Sea. From that yeah. point onward, God says over and 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 over, don't go back to Egypt. That's right. Do not look to their horses. Do not look to their chariots. In fact, when the Babylonian captivity was getting underway and that last deportation had happened mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Gedaliah, who had been left as governor, is killed, yep. some yep. of the people come to Jeremiah and say, go to the Lord ask the Lord what we're supposed to do. And whatever he says, whether we like it or not, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah says, no, stay here. Mm-hmm. Stay here. Serve serve under right. whoever Babylon sets up. Stay here. And they're like, you're lying. They're not doing it. You're lying. We're not doing that. We're going back to Egypt. And yeah. of course, the message comes, you guys have gone back to Egypt. I'm going to judge you. You thought you were going to be saved by going back to Egypt. I'll reach into Egypt and I will kill you. I mean, it is pretty consistent message. Mm-hmm. Do not go back to Egypt. And so on the one hand, mm-hmm. it is a really, really surprising thing. In fact, if I were a Jewish skeptic hearing this story, I would say he's not the Messiah because surely the Messiah would never go back to Egypt. God has been against that forever. Well, if you were the Jewish skeptic, you've already had some questions before you left Matthew chapter 1. Well, sure. Because where did this baby come from? Oh, Joseph had a dream, and that explained it to Joseph. And now we've got a situation. Where did Joseph take that baby? Well, I mean, Joseph had a dream. (laughs) Yeah, and it's the same thing. And so he is is faithful to this revelation coming from God. But yeah, I mean, I think the skeptics have a few problems here with with this. And so then Matthew says, well, let me tell you what this is really about. Here's here's what's up with that. What's up with that is, have you ever read the book of Hosea? Mm. Because in Hosea... What we say, chapter 11 and verse 1, right. Matthew wouldn't have had it referenced like that. He just says there was a prophet. <laughs> so in Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1, out of Egypt I have called my son. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what, what uh, Matthew is pointing out is, guys, this, okay, I get it. I understand. You have some pushback. Why would, why would God's Messiah, after he has spent generations telling us, don't go to Egypt, why would he go to Egypt? Well, I'll tell you why. Because out of Egypt I have called my son. I love this chapter. I, I love Matthew in the New Testament because it, it gives me the sense again of how big God is, how great God is, particularly in his work of prophecy. It, it reminds me uh, in the, the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 46, and uh, oh, verses 5 through 10, verses 9 and 10, that when Isaiah is speaking against idols and idolatry, and he talks about how they fashion them out of gold and they fashion them out of silver. God puts a challenge to these idols. Let them speak. Let them tell the end from the beginning. In, in verse 10, that's the challenge. Declaring Isaiah 46, verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. And that's the true God. That's the living God to be able to 
call his shots, to be able to tell it, all right? And, it, and it's just amazing. And no other God can do that. And, and I think we lose, well, because there's no other God. That was the point. But uh, sometimes we might lose some of the apologetic value uh, in these prophecies. And, and then, you know, coming to the New Testament where he says, this is fulfilled, this is fulfilled, uh, be, because we've got it all together in this Bible. And I just flipped a couple of pages and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course it is. Because he, he just wrote down that that, that that happened like that. But that's not the way the Bible was. <laughs> you have these scrolls. You have translations made into the Septuagint and all these sorts of things that God was dropping and revealing and showing and all these kinds of things in ways that, well, his Holy Spirit could make clear later, right, through through apostles and inspired writers uh, to demonstrate his greatness. And, I mean, it's just the apologetic value here is incredible. So that's beautiful. Yeah. That is wonderful. Can I play the skeptic's advocate for just a second? Well, sure. Yeah. Okay, so I've gone back and I've read Hosea 11 one now. Mm-hmm. And I see, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by their arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness. With Okay, wait a second. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a foretelling of Jesus at all. That's actually talking about Israel in the past. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? Mm. I'll tell you. Here's here's what I... Okay, so that's enough being skeptics advocate, because obviously I'm not a skeptic. <laughs> but I, here's one of these fascinating things. I think there's a significant difference between how Matthew is using Hosea 11.1 and how, say, the scribes and Pharisees were using Micah 5.2. I think Micah 5.2 is very much, all right, here's this promise. This particular thing is going to happen in the future, and when it happens, we can say, oh, we're going to check that off. And I think there are prophecies like this, like that. But this one, this one's significantly different Mm -hmm. because what this highlights is that Hosea 11.1 was not, okay, let me foretell... Mm-hmm. an event in the Messiah's life. Mm-hmm. He's going to go to Egypt and he's going to come out. What Hosea 11.1 1 is saying, here's what God has done with his son. And of course, this son is a reference to Israel as a nation. It ties back to Exodus at what 4.22, somewhere right yeah, around yeah, in there, yeah, 22 yeah. or 23, where God, as he's talking to Pharaoh, says, look, you've, you've tried to kill my firstborn son. I'm going to kill your firstborn son. What Hosea 11.1 is saying is this is what God has done with his son. What Matthew then pulls out is that Jesus does not merely fulfill a list of promises that we can write down on a page and put in an Excel spreadsheet and, and, oh, look, this one promised that Jesus was going to go here on this day, and this one said Jesus was going to come from there, or the Messiah, excuse me. Oh, look, Jesus did that. Jesus did that. This is the Messiah fulfills the entire story Mm. of Israel. Mm. When we look at Israel, what we're finding is a pattern of how God works with his son. And so now Matthew says, I'm taking you through the life of Jesus, and I'm showing you Israel in Jesus. I'm seeing Jesus as the epitome of Israel, as the fulfillment, not just of a sentence Mm -hmm. in prophecy, but of prophecy, prophecy. not just of a promise, but the fulfillment of promise, not just the one that Israel is looking forward to, but the epitome of Israel, what what Israel was actually setting the stage for and foreshadowing. And we're going to watch this with Jesus. In fact, 
again, is, isn't, haven't we already highlighted as we kept making these connections back to Moses and the counselors yeah. and the killing of the children and all of this, we're seeing these connections between Jesus and the very story of Israel. So what Matthew points out is he is fulfilling yeah. this prophet, but not because here's a sentence that he actually mirrored, but because he fulfills all prophecy. I, I love it. And and to dovetail with what you're saying there, I think it's a great uh, distinction Matthew 2 gives us between coming to Scripture as a student and actually having revelation from the Holy Spirit. So you've got these scribes who can read, and here's Micah 5, and we know we're looking for Bethlehem of Judah. Um, would they have picked up on this other one in Hosea? Well, I don't, maybe not. But here's this inspired writer who does, and one of the ways he can is because of the promise of Jesus upon his resurrection. In uh, Luke chapter 24 and verse 44, Jesus said to the 12, or the 11, these are the words which I spoke to you, which I was with you, still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. There is, Matthew does come from a different place in his writing than these wise men and scribes that were, you know, at the behest of Herod the Great because he's an apostle and he's got the Holy Spirit and his mind has been opened in a way where Christ is in all the scriptures. And when Jesus was resurrected, that was the central moment in all of history, mm -hmm. changing mm -hmm. how we should view history before it and the future after it yeah. and and reinterpreting, look, this is what these scriptures were about. Yeah. I get it. Hosea was talking about Israel, but let me tell you what he was really talking about. Yes. He was really talking about the Messiah. This, If the Messiah is the Son of God, let's look at what happened with the Son of God, mm -hmm, Israel, mm -hmm. and see it in the Messiah. In fact, I know we got to wrap up today, but I just want to encourage you and everyone who's listening that as we walk through Matthew, let's have our ears open and our eyes open for these scenarios where we're seeing Jesus actually mirror Israel, because yeah. he does. He does it again and again and again and again. The difference is where Israel botched it and messed up over and over again, yeah. Jesus does it right. He fulfills the promise. He fulfills the prophecy. Well, hey, join in the discussion going on at our group discussion, our group page on Facebook. <laughs> Lost the word there. Uh, or send us an email, what, uh, what you're learning as we're going through Matthew 2. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Edwin, would you lead us in prayer? Holy God. Thank you for your word, for the intricacies and the nuances and the details and the things that we would often miss, but that, that Matthew brings out for us, that the other writers point out. We recognize that Jesus, he does fulfill the promises and he does fulfill these, these prophecies and these foretellings of events, but it is so much more than that. He fulfills the entire story of your people, of your son, and he does it perfectly. And so, Lord, we look to him. He is our king, and we praise you and him and your Holy Spirit. And we ask that today you lead us and be our king today. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.